This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is Cop Talk, talking crime, cases, and backing the blue. Now, here are your hosts, Ed Mamet and Kevin Schroeder. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another session of Cop Talk. My name is Kevin Schroeder. I'm retired NYP detective, and I'm here with my co-host, retired captain of NYPD, Ed Mamet. Hello, everyone. We're having another great session, and this time we have a uh, fellow from California, which I like to call the left coast um, because of the way things are going over there. Perhaps he can enlighten us. <laughs> exactly, Ed, exactly. Our guest today is going to be, we're going out to the West Coast, as the captain said, and we're going out to Riverside, California, and we're going to be speaking to police officer Taylor LaPointe. Taylor, you're on the air. Hey, how you doing, guys? Great to be here. Thanks thanks so much for having me on. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Great to hear your voice again. So tell us, how is the uh, West slash Left Coast doing? Uh, you know what? It's about the coldest it's ever been in the last nine months, which is kind of surprising. Um you know, we're used to this this heat out here, so you know, when sixty four degrees rolls around constantly we're we're constantly freezing. I know it's probably like feels nice to you guys out there on the east coast, but us left coasters, this is cold. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. I hear you. So uh Taylor, how many uh men and uh women do you have in your department? Uh what's the manpower? Uh we're about probably a little bit north of four hundred, four hundred and ten right around that range um we're uh i mean but we're also suffering from staffing shortages like most of the country as well so uh, right. recruitments 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 in high gear i know we got a lot of laterals in process right now a lot of a lot of applicants and backgrounds so hopefully it all comes through and get our numbers up a little bit higher right and how's the morale out there in riverside you know it, it's really good we got we have great leadership in our command staff right now um Great leadership on patrol. A lot of a lot of fresh new sergeants coming up uh, due to a bunch of recent retirements, and uh, you know it's the department's moving in a really great direction. Um, it's a great place to be. It's a great place to work. Um, I'm, I'm really happy to be here. That's great. It's been a, That's been a great. great place. So I know uh, if you can tell Ed and myself uh, in regards to I know you were involved in a shooting about a year and a half ago. That's correct. Do you mind telling us about it? Yeah, sure. Um, <clears throat> so I was working uh, an overtime shift backfill. You know because it always happens on your on your overtime shift. <laughs> uh, I was working day shift. Our day shift hours run from uh, 6 a.m. to 4. Kind of just like any other day, pretty slow in the morning hours. Started to pick up around probably noon. And then around 2, they send a, dispatch me a call. Our dispatch center sends me a, my partner a call of a, of a subject with a gun. Now, uh, now tell, was, I'm sorry, do you write alone or do you write solo or with partners? We're allowed to choose depending on, on staffing. Um, our department is really pro uh, two-man rides, so they they really won't tell us no if we want to ride two-man. If there's somebody you really enjoy working with, uh, you can absolutely do that out here. And if you want to ride by yourself, you can absolutely do that too. So we have a lot of freedom as far as if we want to ride partners, if we want to ride by ourselves, which is really nice. I hear a lot of okay. other places are, aren't like that. Um, but yeah, it's a real nice benefit to have. But th- but this this call specifically, I was by myself. Um, happened to be down the street from this call. The female caller, she called and stated that a white male had walked inside of her apartment and he was armed with a handgun and she didn't know him. And then the line had disconnected. 
while responding to the call, you know, natural dispatch protocol, they tried to call her back to get us more information to find out what's going on, and those calls went unanswered. I landed at the apartment complex probably two, two and a half minutes later approximately, right about the same time as my partner, and we still hadn't received any any sort of update, um, which naturally, you know, when we get these kinds of calls, there's usually some sort of update that's either going to bring more credibility to this or, or take it away, but mm-hmm. there's absolutely no update, so this is literally the only information that we have. So as we start making our way towards the apartment complex, uh, towards her apartment, uh, we're walking down one of the easements along the pool, and there's large bushes at this apartment. Re- really nice place, and it's it's one of those apartment complexes too that we really don't respond to much. It's you know we're, we're a college town, we have a big university in our city, and um, so it's, it's kind of odd that this call was coming out at this at this complex. But as we're walking along, I, I notice a backpack, and it's kind of discarded randomly on top of a bush. It's kind of one of those things that make you go, "Huh, what's what's going on with this?" It's, yeah. Completely out of place. Now, Taylor, was this uh, backpack, was it in, where was that located compared to the actual address, you were, the door you were going to knock on? So the apartment that we were going to is a second story apartment. And the backpack was sitting, if you were to look from the bush and look straight up, that second story window was the apartment we were going to. So all you literally had to do was walk up the stairs, which were just adjacent to this bush, and then down down this hallway right right to the apartment. So... It's coincidence, probably not. Um, it, it really brought a lot more credibility to the call. I told my partner, "Hey, why don't you go ahead and take a look in that bag?" I'm, you know, I'm curious. So he opens up the bag, and sure enough, there's there's a handgun in this bag. Hmm. And then naturally, everybody's concerned. Just go up for this female. We still haven't heard an update from her. Um, did this whoever this you know assailant is? Did did he just did he shoot her? Did he kill her? Did he take off and dump this backpack here? You know what what's what's going on? We don't know. So once once we got that that backpack with a gun in it, it really upped the stakes. It really upped the uh, the exigency and the credibility to to this call. So I told my partner, "Hey, go ahead and grab the bag." I said, "Hey, grab it. Let's go make sure this girl's okay." Um, you know, we was just us two. Nobody else had landed yet, so we made the decision to grab it, take it with us, and then we'll secure it after we find out, make sure this girl's okay. Now, callback is en route. Uh, anyone coming? Any other units responding? Yeah, so usually these big big types of calls, these more high priority calls, they'll uh, they'll notify a supervisor. And everybody's paying attention. They know something's probably going on, and they, they a lot of times they'll put themselves in route using their you know the MDC computer um, or put it out over the radio. But so there's probably about two or three more more units coming in a helicopter. So it's it's a okay. came out as what you would call I guess a high priority call or a hot call for sure. Um, so as I'm making my way down this hallway to the door, um, I mean, straight down this hallway, all the way to the right side of this hall, is just a, it's just a straight wall. It's just wall. There's nowhere to go. Um, it's, just, it's just solid wall. There's no, there's no cover. There's no concealment on the, on the whole right side, leading all the way straight to the doorway. And then on the left side, there's another apartment just adjacent to the left, and it has a little, little alcove, as you know, before you step into an apartment. I was ahead of my partner, so I, I made my way quietly down the hallway and I kind of tucked into that little easement with that other apartment door trying to get a little concealment. My partner stayed back at the top of the stairs because it just wasn't safe for, for both of us to be up there. Um, there's a, there could be a lot of issues of crossfire and there's just no move to, no room to move tactically right. or safely. So as I'm sitting at this door, I'm taking a couple seconds just trying to listen to see if I hear anything. Um, do I hear people talking? Does it sound normal? Do just trying to trying to gather, taking that tactile pause, trying to gather as much intel as we can to see what kind of decision we're going to make here and how we're going to proceed. We still haven't reached her. She still hasn't reached out to our dispatch center. Um, as of right now, 
you know, we're at the top of the stairs. This is one way in, one way out. There's no balcony at this apartment. So this is, I mean, this is it. We're here. So I don't hear anything. So I knock on the door, boom, 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 Riverside police. And from here, I hear what sounds like a struggle inside of the apartment. I look back at my partner and he acknowledges that he's like, yes, I hear, I hear this noise too. It was, he couldn't hear exactly what I heard, but it sounded like, to give you the best example, like if somebody was going to try to maybe break away for the door and they were being physically held back and resisting and uh, started rolling around and wrestling around trying to get away. Well, you were closer to the door than your partner was, correct? Right. Yeah, about probably about five feet. I looked back at him. My partner said, hey, we're going to have to boot the door. Um, I was under the full assumption that she was inside of this apartment with, with an armed gunman, you know, someone with, with her life in danger. And, you know, this is this is what we do as, as police officers. Sometimes we got to do the scary stuff. Um, as I go to, to reach the door, my partner says, hey, hold on, just just knock one more time. So, all right, I'm in agreement with that. Boom, I knock one more time. I've now knocked on this door three times. We've been standing outside of this door 45 seconds, maybe, pretty close to that. And that's uh, that was another fine line that we were trying to balance, right? So, how, I mean, they know we're here. This is one way in, one way out. Whoever's in there, they have to deal with us. We're not leaving. You called us. You know, the longer we wait, are we giving this person an opportunity to make a plan from inside, to, to ambush us um, or attack us? At this point, there's no further information from dispatch, and you're not getting any response from anyone inside the apartment, but you do hear a possible struggle. That's that's where we're at. So I move myself, I position myself in front of the door, let my partner know how I'm going to kick it. Go ahead and kick the door. Good, uh, good breach. Door opens maybe about a mm, quarter of the way. And I'm directly in front of this door in the fatal funnel. I mean, we've all been to the academy. We all know, you know, that's not the place to be. We never stand in the hallways. Gunfire goes through hallways. In 2018, a Pomona police officer was killed, shot directly through a, through a door. So this, you know, these are all things going through my mind. This isn't, a, this isn't a comfortable place for me to be. So as I kick the door, the door opens, and I see a pair of two arms outstretched. Um, just see four arms. looks like a, like, a, like a shooting position. Like if you were going to stand in an isosceles shooting position, hold your arms out. Uh, straight out. This is this is what I see. I can't see hands too fast. Um, and this is maybe this this person is maybe a couple a couple feet from me. I mean two feet, two three feet. Um, at this moment, I thought, okay, I just accepted it. I'm you're probably going to be shot. This is probably going to happen. Hopefully, I take this place this round in a in a place where it's going to be non-fatal and I can stay in this fight. My next goal is get my round off first and get offline and move. So it's kind of funny when you look at the human body and watch, remember what you see in your head when you watch video. I thought I fired from the hip, watching my video, I actually bring my, my sights. I bring my sights up and I fire my round right where I had assumed this person's head was. And meanwhile, just so you know, I, I don't know if this is male or female. I don't know a race. I don't know a gender. I don't know clothing. I can't see any of this. It's too fast. You know, time equals distance equals safety, all out the window. No, no, no time, no distance. I had nowhere to move. To my right is a solid wall. To my left, uh, I don't have time to move to my left. I don't want to go back and fall. So this this is my option. Fire my round, get offline, and then I hear the absolutely horrible uh, voice saying, oh, you shot me. And this is this is a female. Obviously, knowing that the male, the suspect is a male, that was reported. Um, found out pretty quickly that this was actually the female caller that was standing behind the door. So I make my way open up the apartment door and look inside. She's sitting on the couch. She's sitting next to a black male. And uh, she, he says, he's, t- he's a little upset, saying, hey, you shot my girl. You shot my girl. I'm trying to tell her, hey, come outside. Let me get you some medical attention. You know, check out your arm. Check out her arm. Luckily, she, her, she took the round, like right through her shoulder, right through her trap. 
like maybe about an inch or two to the to the left of, of her head. So it was all all a flesh wound, thank God. Get her out, get her medical attention. Turns out this whole thing ended up being a domestic situation. Uh, her boyfriend was acting erratic and he had he had possession of the gun. We were able to watch video footage from the apartment complex of him possessing the backpack, walking it out of the apartment and then coming back in. Um, there ended up being a incidental dispatch uh, error as far as whether it was a white male or a black male it got mixed up in a clothing description. You know, it happens sometimes. Um, but eventually that male was arrested for uh, holding her against her will. Um, when I heard that struggle inside, she had made a break for the door and he actually had, had held her back. Um, and uh, so he, he was charged with that and he was a convicted felon on parole. So he was also charged with felon possession of a firearm. But she's, uh, you know, she's recovered. She's doing good. And here we are. You know, everything uh, everything checked out. You know, our Sheriff's Department, Riverside County Sheriff's Department, handles all of the city's officer-involved shootings and critical incidences like this. And they came out and did their investigation. Um, Internal Affairs from Riverside PD did their investigation, and, you know, everything's been been cleared. Uh, you know, this is a, a classic example of uh, where qualified immunity comes in. Um, for those in the audience who don't understand qualified immunity, which is a big topic today. It means that if an officer acted in good faith, uh, even though in this case, um, the actually the victim of the, the call was, was shot, which was, you know, that was an accident. And uh, our uh, interviewee is, you know, talking about split-second decisions. That's where qualified immunity comes in. And the there's this great move to get rid of it. Now, if he didn't have it, um, he could be sued personally and he could lose everything. Public should be aware of, of this situation. And not only that, but it's well known that domestic calls are one of the most dangerous calls of all. Would you agree with that? You never know what you're going to run into. You get, a, you get a routine call, you think it's okay, and the next thing you know, you wind up in a shooting. Lots oh, of cops absolutely. have been killed on these domestic calls. Absolutely, 100%. Taylor, how did, the, uh, how did your department uh, handle the situation? Did they um, give you a hard time, or basically what was the uh, outcome in regards to uh, your, your department? As a whole, fantastic. I have no complaints. I was treated with respect, um, especially from command staff. I got a lot of support. I got a lot of support from, you know, our peer support team. Um, you know, they, they handled it really well. There was, there was a couple of, couple of issues I had found on scene. And, you know, later on thinking down the road, you have to remember we're in, we're in 2021, right? We're in the height of Black Lives Matter. You know, I'm, I'm a Caucasian male. Um, this female was African-American. Um, so the department was, was a little worried, I believe, about some political backlash um, and taking a little heat, but it, uh, you know, it just didn't happen. Thank God. Um, but so there were some comments made by uh, uh, higher ups that, that made my life a little more difficult. But um, I don't, I don't really fault anybody for that. Um, I think it was just everybody was kind of, kind of upset, you know, freaking out, worried, worried about her, what, what the outcome was going to be. Yeah, Taylor, I think you did a great job. I mean, you went with what you had from dispatch and the, the, the situation, and no one answering the door, and you heard a struggle. And the um, person who opened the door was basically almost at a combat stance. So, you know, you you uh, had to do, use necessary force, and um, unfortunately, it was the, the victim in this case. But at the end of the day, uh, that, those are split decisions that we have to make every day, and 99% of them go well. And um, But everyone else has a roundtable to sit around for hours, days, and weeks to decide what you could have done different. And, but with your situation, you went with the information you had. I think you did a very good job. Was there a lawsuit uh, emanating from this situation? Yes, yes. So um, she did file a civil suit 
against uh, the agent against the department. Um, I had my civil deposition on January 6th. And since that deposition, the federal lawsuit against the police department has been dropped. The Monell claims against me, um, pretty much me. The allegation that was made against me was I never offered her any type of medical attention after the shooting. I was also deemed false and, and dropped. And then uh, my partner on the case was also dismissed. So that's where we that's where we stand today with it. Taylor, thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for doing a great work out there in Riverside, California. Tell everyone on the West Coast we said hello here from East Coast. And uh, thank you again for being on Cop Talk, and we'll see you soon. Be safe out there. Thank you so much. Bye-bye now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.